0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to extend to you this morning a word of greeting in Jesus' name from the faculty and the student body at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. We are so deeply grateful for the partnership in the gospel that we share with Hope Congregation. Uh, It is uh, certainly a personal privilege for me to be here today and uh, to see one of the uh, students that I helped uh, to teach now serving as your pastor. Uh, Sometimes, you know, teaching at the seminary. Is like working on an assembly line. Uh, Kind of guys come through, and uh, and you don't always see the finished product, but it's uh, always a great joy and delight as I'm able to uh, preach in congregations that are served by former students, and uh, to see them doing what they were trained and prepared uh, to do, and so. We rejoice with you that the Lord has given you such a servant in Pastor Wolfmuller and and that he, Carrie, and his family uh, so much also uh, enjoy being in your congregation in your midst. And so we give thanks to God uh, for all the gifts that he gives us together and for, as I said, for the partnership that your congregation shares uh, with Concordia Theological Seminary as you uh, remember us with your prayers uh, your financial support and your encouragement for young men uh, to attend and prepare themselves also uh, for the pastoral office. This morning we uh, focus our attention on the Holy Gospel appointed to be read in the churches on this Septuagazuma Sunday from Matthew chapter 20. You heard that just a few minutes ago. Just before Jesus speaks the words of today's gospel, he tells his disciples how utterly hard it is for a rich man to be saved. He says it is easier to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. No wonder that the disciples respond in near despair. Who then can be saved? And then Jesus replies, With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Now, Peter, as usual, wants to get in his two cents worth. And so he says to the Lord, Lo, we have left everything and followed you. What then shall we have? And it is Peter's question that prompts Jesus to tell the parable which you heard a few minutes ago. Jesus says to his disciples that they will be appointed to thrones in his kingdom, exercising judgment over the twelve tribes of Israel. They will receive a hundredfold for all that they have given up for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. Nevertheless, Jesus tells his disciples that many who are first will be last, And the last, first. Then Jesus goes on to illustrate what he means by way of the parable. Our Lord tells this parable to make it clear that our place in his kingdom is not determined by works, even good works but rather it is totally and completely by His grace, free and boundless, as the hymn puts it. God does not deal with us on the basis of fairness, but on the basis of His favor, on the basis of His grace. He does not transact business with us on the basis of merit, but he comes to us completely out of mercy. That is the simple truth of the gospel. And yet that is such a hard, hard lesson for us sinners to learn. In fact, there is something at the very core of our being that rebels against the notion that salvation is by grace through faith apart from the works of the law. It is why one church historian in Germany in the 19th century said, we are by nature Roman Catholics and we have to be converted to the evangelical Lutheran faith. We don't become Lutherans by nature. In fact, the opposite. We carry within us what Martin Luther called the opinio legis in the Latin, the opinion of the law. And that lethal opinion of the law is this, that there is something that you can do to earn God's salvation. And so when we see God doing what God delights to do, saving sinners who don't deserve salvation, we accuse God of being unfair. Why does he? Give salvation to people who, in our book, do not deserve it. It's not fair. That's the cry that we hear from children on the playground. And it is the typical sinful response to life itself. We hear it is not fair. couched in the complaint of the person who says, I don't understand why this is happening to me. I've always tried to live a good life. Now, this complaint is based on the completely false premise that God owes us something. Truth of the matter is, God owes us nothing. That's why we confess that we are deserving only of God's temporal and eternal punishment, for we are by nature sinful. We deserve only God's wrath, his displeasure, and ultimately his eternal condemnation. Our sin has robbed us of every claim on God. That is the unerring voice of the law. And we cannot escape it. But there's more. Out of the bounty of His grace, God has willed to deal with you on the basis not of fairness, but on the basis of mercy. Think of that. If you demand that God is fair, what would you deserve for the way that you have squandered his gifts, for the lustful thought, thought. for the hateful word, for the misspent life, you would deserve only hell. Hell is in fact what sinners deserve. Instead, God sends His only Son to this planet. He is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary to live a perfect life. He completely and fully lives life as God intended life to be lived. He is obedient to His Father in all things. And even though he is the Son of God without sin, he humbles himself to submit to the authority of human parents. He experiences temptation in the world. He knows the allurement of the flesh. And he knows the power of the devil and yet he holds fast to the words and promises of his Father. He actively does the will of his Father in healing the sick, feeding the hungry, and opening the eyes of the blind. His very life of obedience demonstrates that love indeed, is the fulfillment of the law. And all of that we speak of as our Savior's life of active obedience. That is, our Lord actively does what you fail to do. Our Lord actively does what the law requires. His obedience to the law was an obedience that he rendered not for himself, but for us in our place. And the obedience of our Lord did not stop with his obeying the letter of the law, of his keeping the commandments, of his doing good to all men. You see, his obedience extended all the way to the cross. He was obedient even unto death, says the Apostle, even unto death on a cross. The Son of God, who was without sin from all eternity, and who lived a sinless life in our flesh, offers himself (coughs) as a sacrifice in our place. He is our substitute, righteous And without sin, yet he suffers and dies under the penalty of our sin. Here God does what the world considers to be most unfair. As he assigns to his son the punishment and the fate that is due to sinners. On the cross, the one who knew no sin received the wages of sin, death itself. By the shedding of his blood, you are redeemed. You are redeemed, you are bought back from sin, rescued from death, and made the possession of Christ himself. He has answered for your sin. Justice would say, it's not fair, but it is mercy. God justifies, that is, He declares us righteous and holy, not on the basis of our performance, not on the basis of our good intentions, not on the basis of our efforts, not on the basis of the hours and the years that we have put into service in his kingdom, but he justifies us totally and completely on the basis of Jesus' blood and merit. Truth of the matter is, not a one of us deserves salvation. Not the Apostle Peter who left everything, To follow Christ, not the thief on the cross who came to know his Savior after a life of corruption and crime, and not any one of us. It is by grace alone that we are saved. This undercuts any objection that we might be tempted to make when it comes to God's generosity. The words of Jesus say it all. Do you begrudge me my generosity? Or as one translation of the Greek idiom puts it, is your eye evil because I am good? Jesus' words refocus our eyes on the generosity of the Father's goodness. The generosity of a Father who causes His rain and His sunshine to fall on the wicked, the fields of the wicked, as well as the righteous. The generosity of the Father who still gives life to drug dealers and prostitutes. The generosity of a Father who gives daily bread to us, without any merit or worthiness on our part. And this is the generosity of the Father that extends beyond the gifts of daily bread, beyond the gifts of rain and sunshine and health and peace and all the other gifts that we enjoy in this life. It is a generosity. That goes all the way to salvation itself. For God sent His Son to die for us while we were still His enemies. His atoning death was for the sins of the whole world. So the gospel of salvation is to be preached to all people, to all nations, even to those that we would judge to be unlikely candidates for citizenship in the Lord's kingdom. Jesus' words in today's Holy Gospel call us back to the bounty of His mercy extended to each of us in the life-giving waters of holy baptism, echoed and repeated here Sunday after Sunday in the preaching of his word and given to us today in his body and his blood to eat and to drink for the forgiveness of our sins. None of us can come into this church with any claim that we are deserving of these gifts. They come to us by God's grace alone without any merit or worthiness on our part. We are baptized into the same baptism. We hear the same gospel preached to us. We are given the same body and blood to eat and to drink. We may not then presume to look, as did the first hired worker on those who labored for only an hour, As less worthy of salvation. After all, is it not right for God to do what he wishes with his own things? Therefore, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today's gospel carries a warning to those who would claim God's fairness to those who would claim God's justice as their basis for His dealing with them. If you insist on justice, if you demand the Lord give you justice, be careful, beware, for that is what you shall have. And justice means that each gets exactly What he or she deserves and what we deserve is condemnation. But I am here today authorized to tell you that what God gives you in Christ is not the justice of the law, not the recompense of your sin, But mercy. The mercy of the absolution. Consolation and not condemnation. Divine pardon for sinners who do not deserve it. Righteousness for the unrighteous and life for the dead so the last will be first and the first will be last amen the peace of god which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in christ jesus to life everlasting amen